welcome back to Coach Chat. Uh, hey Steve. Um, Alright, so today we're going to go through, and I know we've gone through this before, we've talked about individualization of program teams. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, when you're actually trying to make someone really strong, it is all about the individualized process of what you're doing with them in their program. Yeah. And what you're doing, you know, with them, with your communication, your feedback and all that. Um, uh, I guess if you don't know, Steve and I have recently been on powerlifting now where we talked about the differences between heavyweight and lightweight lifters. We went through, um, you know, general characteristics, frequency, intensity, volume, and then we showed a couple of our blocks that we work with. When we work through that, um, when, um, so if you haven't listened to that and you want to subscribe to powerlifting now, go for it. Um, if you are subscribed to powerlifting now, uh, check it out. Um, when we went through that, it was quite general, yeah? Yeah, with just different weight classes or different size of people, that was quite general in the way that we explained that and went over things. Yeah. But I guess there's like deeper understanding of it, uh, individualization yep. um, in the way that we'll go about that with different, you know, we've got different leverages of people as well. Um, yeah. And then there's gender specific things. There's, yep. there's lots of things to consider when we're writing yep. our programs for people, right? Yeah, so I guess if you've listened to that, that's kind of like the overarching rules that we're looking for when we're dealing with um, heavyweight and lightweight lifters, you know, and, and males and females. Yeah. Generally speaking, lightweight lifters can handle more and females can handle more. That's a very general characteristics. So when you're diving deeper into individualization, I mean, I guess first we can go over those general characteristics. So Steve, you get a new lifter... You know, what do you, what, and you get a new athlete that come to you, hey, I want to be coached by you. Um, what are some things that you're going to be looking at as kind of like stage one of the program? Uh, I guess the first thing we'll look at is like previous training data, uh, if they have any and what they believe has worked in the past. Uh, and then I obviously have my own biases, which I'll lean towards at the same time and discuss with them if they've tried anything like that. And then we'll look at, you know, um, obviously the size of someone. Um, their leverages as well, the way that they lift, uh, training age, all those kinds of things, and then try and come up with something together to start with, and then over time that will change. But just that that first kind of uh, initial program will be based on like the heuristics of someone and what I have, uh, I guess, already worked with in the past that will lead to what I'm going to uh, initially write for someone. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how other coaches do it, but I think that's a, a, a big point of difference, I think, for us is... We don't mind running the first part of the program or the first initial micro with our own biases, but then asking the athlete what works for you. Yeah. That's a big thing, like, especially with a higher level. Yeah. I, I would, I'm more comfortable writing something that they know has worked for them in the past and then forming my own opinions about that, like how's that going to go or what I think may or may not work. But then if we've got time, just running with it. Yeah, running with it, especially to start with, and then you can just like tinker with it as you're going. Yeah. Uh, and it's like it becomes this this product eventually of what, what started off with what um, they believe would work. So the buy-in is there 100%, yeah. and then it's just been tinkered with. So it's still almost the same kind of product, the same program, but it's just had your twist on it or yeah. our twist on it. So then it's like you've just noticed different trends, you've accumulated more data, and you've been able to make you know adjustments based on that. And then we have this final kind of product that we like blended all together that works really well. Yeah, well, a lot of the times it's just that if, um, if an athlete can have a, a blueprint of what they think worked and our um, 
our tinkering with it might be just controlling fatigue a little bit better or yeah. a little bit more, you know? Like, for instance, athlete, you know, I say to you, I always get results when I deadlift twice a week, but it tanks me and I don't yeah. know why. And then you ask them, okay, so what were you doing? And then they'll say to you, I was doing four by six on one day and five by five on the other day. Yeah. Straight sets. Okay, cool. I'm going to look at that. I'm going to give you four by six and five by five, but I'm going to give you a top set with a really big back down. Yeah. There's my point. You, you get what I mean? Like yeah. that's my my spin on it. Yeah, or just that, you know, I'm going to prescribe one of those days rather than just like keep it RPE based or something like that, like keep it low threshold. Yeah, definitely. So I think one of the major things when, you know, you're looking at creating the first part of the process with moving towards individualization is listening to what the athlete has told you that works. Yeah. Because I think it's really important to understand when you more you work with higher level or the more people you work with, you realize that the weirdest things work. Yeah, yeah. The weirdest things work. And if they're telling you, I feel really good when I do this, no matter what it is, do it. Yeah. If you've got time. Especially, yeah, that buy-in, like I said, is going to be there. And it's like, everyone's program is their own program. The way yeah. that they respond is the way that they respond. And what can look completely unorthodox or very strange on paper can just work for someone. Yep. You know, and we're talking more from like an intermediate to advanced level person that comes to you now. If you're getting a, if you're a coach and you are working with a bunch of novices or people who have only lifted for less than one year, of course, it's okay for you to come up with a blueprint because they probably won't have the training data on themselves that you can use. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I find a lot of the times, some, sometimes if someone says to me, oh, this just works, and I, I don't have a problem saying, we'll run this for a couple of blocks, and then we'll get back together and see if this is actually is working. Yeah, and there's things outside of that too that create it more individualized too, like is this person encounter some sort of roadblock at some point if they we go past a certain threshold or yeah. like does that just need to be adjusted just a just a tiny bit yeah so then like they can say like oh i get like fantastic results running this but it's like could they be better if we just make this tiny adjustment here yeah yeah that's kind of yeah where i'm getting at let them run with it and go okay this yeah. is what i think might happen we'll run with it and see and if this tiny adjustment is something that does work we'll let, I'll let you know um, so that's kind of like, you know, previous training data. And then we've got things like sex, gen uh, so gender, um, size, leverages, training age, as we said before. Yeah. Externals. Yeah. What well, yeah, someone does for a living can be a big thing as well, play a big, big role and a big factor in the way that you'll program them because they may not be able to train as many days as you'd like them to, or they could be shift worker and it could be all over the place. Like the shift workers that I have, um, it's almost like hit your main days when you feel best. Yeah. Not like you need to train these specific days. And this is like, I know you talk about predictability and the outcome of all that of training on specific days, but it's just not feasible for everyone. Yeah, definitely. So I guess that's kind of like step one. And I know there's a lot of information out there on how to build your first micro. We've done um, webinars on it before. Yeah. You know, but like if you're working with people who have a really good training history, you know, let them help you build the first micro. Yeah, for sure. You know, don't try and come up with something brand new because 
a lot of the times when you come up with something brand new and there's no buy in there, it won't last. Yeah, for sure. Or there is come up with something very new and they've never run it before, it can get really messy. It can get messy and it can lead to almost injury sometimes yeah. if, it's, if it's that vastly different to what they have ran before. Yeah. Because uh, you've just made too many adjustments and then their body's not adapted or built that resilience up to be able to yeah. handle that much if you're doing more. Yeah. Yeah, and listening in the first block. Yeah, for sure. Listening and paying attention. Yeah. Um, should be done all the time, but I think that that first block is very critical uh, just for buy-in and just establishing a relationship with someone as well. Yeah, how often do you run the first block back-to-back? -back? You run the same thing over and over? Uh, depending on how the results were. Like, yeah. I can run it back-to-back -back yeah. a couple of times, but yeah. if it's if the results, like, if we didn't really go anywhere or anything, then I will make adjustments straight yeah. to that second block. But they'll be, they'll be minor, and that's how I went with, like, over time. So we start with what we write, you know, based on all the... The information provided at the yeah, start, yeah. and we write that initial block, and then we run that. And then, if you know something, let's say we have fantastic um, block with deadlifts, so it's like I'm not going to change anything there. But you know, squats were a bit ordinary; we didn't really go anywhere. So yeah. I may make some adjustments there with the squat, um, yeah. and it'll just be built over time. And then, say the second block, something else didn't go so well, so I make some small adjustments there, or maybe different accessories that we need to add in. Yeah. And that's how over time we get this person's. Uh, like kind of golden, golden micro, golden micro that we're trying to look for um, that whole time. Yeah, I think yeah. So like when you're trying to find that golden micro, which is the individualization and making those small adjustments, I think one of the biggest things to remember is small adjustments for a lot of people, especially when they're really strong, lead to big outcomes. Yeah, in either direction. In either in either direction. So. You might change something so small, which would be um, an accessory. Yeah. So I can't uh, change Meg's accessories. Yeah. Her lower body, she's able to hack squat now. Belt squat, no. Yeah. Cannot do it. Just throws it, throws the whole thing off. So and I think um, Sean's posted on that before. The higher level the athlete, the more you change the accessories, the more it really affects what's happening with the primary lifts yeah for sure either way i think big thing for you has been the taking the three squat down to two i'm only squatting once. once well when you're in combat yeah you know like how did that feel in um, general it, that's hard to explain because i'm not comp squatting at all at the moment yeah uh, i still believe that i need to squat three times yeah it's your golden uh yeah that's what that's where things fly um but like I'm really only putting a barbell on my back once a week, so it's like I don't exactly know. But at the same time, like I'm so invested in squatting three times, like that's where I feel that's worked. Yeah. Um, but like I'm squatting once a week now and still getting good results. So yeah. I'm not phased by it at the yeah. same time. Um, although I would like to get back to three times comp squatting, but I'm so far away from that right now. But I'm not even comp squatting once a week at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, going back to it. So sorry, I went on a tangent then. So like, when we're moving towards individualization, making changes block to block, right? The yeah. more blocks you run with people, the smaller the changes you want to make. You get what I mean? Yeah. So, and when when we're saying changes, we're talking about things like small things, like 
rep ranges. Yeah, tiny. Tiny. RP progression changes. Yeah. Um, not big overhauls, like changing the way, you know, changing the whole structure of the micro, moving around primary and secondary days. I'm only going to do that if I, you know, we've done it. I, I, I probably only do that usually after running a few back to back or after a competition. Yeah, after a competition, I yeah. will make some adjustments. But yeah, definitely. Because of the monotony of training. Yeah. Um, but if something's worked really well, then probably not really. Yeah. Either. If they're like really invested in powerlifting, they understand that. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, so I think one of the big ticket things that we just said then is moving towards individualization mm -hmm. is less big changes, more smaller changes. Because yep. the more big changes that are made, the less individualized that the program is getting because it gets super messy. Yeah, and then you, you look back and you don't know what you've changed over time. Yeah, um, pulling into that trap sucks. Yeah, and it's just like acknowledging when things feel better or worse. Like I have a lifter at the moment where um, I tried everything to get this, this squat day to show up, but he just kept reporting like it wasn't feeling good. But the secondary day was feeling good. So then we, we flipped it, but it was like, I still adjusted things based on we had a good performing block. Yep. So we still had that good performing block. So I knew that yep. it's possible. Yeah. I still adjusted like over three blocks to try and get this squat to show up on the day that I wanted it to, but I just couldn't. So now we've just kind of flipped it to the Monday. Just, yep. just like reverse things around and that was, that was probably a big change that I made, yeah. Um, which I wouldn't usually make. Like I'd rather just make those small adjustments from block to block to try and get it to perform the day that we wanted to. Yeah. And then we had to do that that big flip, which can then make you know more interference throughout the the rest of the week now. Yeah. So I don't really like doing that. Yeah, I think one of the I think one of the biggest important things when you are making changes to move towards more individualization is having a theory in your head of what will happen if it works and what will happen if it doesn't work. Yeah. So thinking, if this doesn't work, I think this would happen. Yeah. So let's just say you move that Monday, you move that primary to the Monday, in your head, you might be thinking, this may tank deadlifts. Yeah, this 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 can have a really adverse effect on the other lifts. Like, yeah. That's why it's, that was kind of why it's the last thing I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, whereas the way that everything else, because everything else was going great. Yeah. So it's all moving upwards. Yeah. But we just couldn't get that squat to perform as well as we wanted it to. Yeah. So it's, I'd rather stick with other things and make small adjustments and changes. Yeah. To get that day, I think it's Thursday, to to be higher performing. Yep. Rather than, I think it's the Sunday or Monday, mm. just because of what could happen around that. Mm. Um, and then, so weighing up the pros and cons, right? So the cons were just outweighing all the pros of the squat performing well. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually it got to a point where it's like, no, we just we got to bite the bullet and I've got to see what happens. Yeah. Because I can always revert back. Yep. Uh, but at the same time, I needed to see. I got Did to see. Did it work? Uh, we haven't finished yet. Oh, okay. So you're still seeing. Yeah. So your your theory is it may tank the other 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 lifts. Yeah, so we got the like the pros and cons, right? Yeah. Pros is obviously squat starts performing really well. Yeah. Um, and then you know nothing else gets affected. Like that's an ideal world. That's what you want. That's exactly what I want. But then we have the cons of um, squat doesn't perform that well, and it interferes with other things. So we've almost like taken a step back, and then we have to revert back again. Mm. Uh, so, or it can be you know squat performs well, and then 
I have to go and figure out everything around that to make sure everything else is performing well. Yeah, yeah. I think that's also a really big uh, a a good thing for athletes to remember is themselves. If you're asking your um, coach for changes, make sure it's something that you've thought about yourself. Yeah. Because if you don't, like I had just had an athlete who competed on the weekend, bench 17 and a half kilo increase, like went so well. Like in my head, all I needed to do was change the secondary squat day um, to make squats show up. He wanted all these other changes to fit other days. I was like, no, I can't. We're seven weeks out now. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not changing anything. But I bet it was more he was thinking about more his other like life oh, okay. and thinking that not understanding that even though bench felt shit in training, it performs really well on the platform, so it tapered really well. Yep. So I'm not changing it. Do you get what I mean? So explaining that, whereas you know if if you know before or a few years ago or whatever, I might have gotten the trap where I'd be like, okay. Let's make these changes and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? But now I'm like, no, it's working. Don't change a thing. Yeah, if something's working, you don't need to change it. Uh, and that's that's like I think we touched on quite a few times. Is like sometimes the biggest change is no change. Yeah. yeah that's the, the the best change. Yeah. So, what are some things we're looking out for when we're making change towards trying to get to more of an individualized effect? Uh, I guess, like I touched on earlier, it's looking at the performance of the lift and the way that it's kind of tracking throughout a block. So there's so many different changes that we can make. You can make, you know, you could add a set somewhere or manipulate the reps that someone's doing. So, you know, if we manipulate the reps downwards, obviously intensity is going to go up, load on the bar is going to go up. If you're adding more set, you're just doing overall more volume. Yeah. Uh, and then that can be like the sweet spot where someone responds. Yeah. But then it can also be like acknowledging, okay, we ran this person's blocks for five to six weeks and we keep fizzling out on the fourth week or something. Yeah. So acknowledging that, and that's an adjustment in itself, just like rerunning what you've already ran, but running it for less weeks. That's what I'm doing with someone else right now, yeah. Yeah. So just pick, picking up on all the little trends that you're acknowledging as you're going with someone. Like some people that, that auto-regulating, that I can run their blocks for eight weeks, nine, ten weeks, like just because they are that good at auto-regulating, they aren't fixated and attached to load on the bar. Yeah, yeah. And I think one thing that you just touched on then, which is a really big ticket, is changing the reps and sets Yeah. before changing the structure of the program. Yeah, for sure. That's a big one. Like, if, a mi- if the way that the micro is set out is working in terms of, you know, squatting three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, deadlifting Tuesday, Saturday, if that's working, keep it. Yeah, for sure. Change the sets and rep schemes or what you're doing with that first before you go, oh, deadlift's not showing up on Saturday, I'll move it to Friday. Because you're changing more if you move the whole thing to Friday. Yeah. You might find that deadlift's not showing up on the Saturday because your lifter doesn't respond to sevens. Yeah. Give them fives. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that do that before you end up changing everything because or changing because if you change, you know, you change the deadlift one day prior, and then squat tanks, then it's like, oh, is it squat tanking because the deadlift was moved, or is the squat tanking because there's an extra rest day now? Yeah, yeah, multiple different things. You know what I mean? So you don't really, you won't really know. So you're better off changing 
what you're doing with volume and intensity within those days first before looking outside. Yeah, I think uh, days of training are one of the last things that I'll change, uh, unless I'm adding a day in for someone, yep. then it's different. But um, unless like I'll notice like, okay, this person just, we want to change that day because it's just too close to something else and I push it back a day, but there's, it's just basically just landing on a rest day that was a rest day already, then, then I've done that quite a few times, but yep. um, it's rare. It's, yeah. not, it's not the first thing that I'll do. Like I'll try and manipulate it, all the other variables around it first before I do something like that. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, this through this whole podcast and whatever, we've talked about um, everything that we're doing, doing on our end to, to, to create more individualized environments. But the athlete also has a big role in that. And they oh, yeah. have a big role in that with um, load progression. Yeah, load progression. Is massive. You know, um, the communication around things as well. Yeah. Um, and just being able to to understand like your like what our goal is yep. as the coach and what we're trying to achieve. And then also being able to understand, like you said, low progression, but how to work regularly. It doesn't have to go up every single week. No, it doesn't. Um, you don't have to send it in the last week of a block. Uh, there's so many things that you, you don't have to do to, because you can create momentum block to block rather than just like sending it on that last week uh, and then you're cooked at the start of the next one. You'd rather come in fresh and being able to just run with momentum again. Because I've got a lot of people that do it, they'll go to the last block of the week and then they just send it. Yep, and then they've got nothing left. And then we go, yeah, and then we get to the first week of the next block and then they try and what they did is increase what they did on the first week of the block before and it's like... Too tired. You're just continuously running into this wall. Yep. Um, when we're making like small progressions because of the way that you kind of, uh, I guess, try to respond to your own program and just like read last week of the block or yeah. this is the, the fourth or fifth week or sixth, whatever is the last week. Yep. And you think you need to max out, we don't. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and the low progressions week to week are very individualized. Yeah, for sure. And can be tinkered with block to block to make it better. You don't need to change what's happening on the actual program. You can look at the pro. You can look at the low jumps yep. on. Let's just say squatting twice a week and deadlifting, uh, squatting three times a week and deadlifting twice a week, and you know week four showed up really well. Week and then you went two more weeks. Week six didn't. You look at the next block and go, okay, so from week one to week four, you went you hit these low jumps. And then week four showed up really well. Repeat that again, and then let's see how we go. Yeah. Or if it is out of the blue, like you'll go uh, first three weeks, and then there's a 20 kilo deadlift jump, and then everything else tanks. It's like, okay, you don't need to jump 20 kilos yeah. in that week three on your deadlift because it's not going to be very good for the rest of the, the block. Yeah, or that week in general. So it's nothing we did. It's more like, okay, explaining, you know, we need to improve and individualize your low jumps with your deadlift a little bit more, which is going to suit you. Yeah, which comes around the education around the program, coach-athlete uh, relationship as well. Yeah. Um, but there's also, if you're going to finish a block, like right, you know, at that, the, like what you're capable of, like yeah. basically hitting an RPE 10 at the end of the block, even if that wasn't prescribed, you don't have to start the next block heavier than what you started the block before before you're starting with fatigue. Like my last block, like I, 
added over four weeks 50 kilos to my deadlift single yeah. because I just started super light because I didn't feel that great and just made sure that I moved fast. Yeah. And then it was just a little jump because I still didn't feel that good into a big jump into a bigger jump. Yeah, yeah, because you let the fatigue dissipate. Yeah, and if you're not letting it dissipate, you're not letting it roll out or wash out, then you're just like, you're just carrying that fatigue rather than carrying momentum. Yeah, exactly. So when we, okay, let's, we'll go through a scenario. Like, so when, when we've been with an athlete for a while and they do a competition and they've run something and it's gone really well, and, but we know that they just need a couple of changes and then to return back to baseline. Yeah. What does that kind of look like for their first program after the competition? What are some things that we might change? Oh, that's when we'll, you know, we'll veer away from a bit of what they were what was they were responding really well to. Yeah. Um, we don't have to, because we don't have to go back. Like that's where we want to get back to. Yeah. But we'll kind of take like two steps away from it. So yep. then we can take two steps to come back to it. So it's like, let's say if someone's uh, squat responds really well in sixes, we can work back up to eights or something. Yeah. And then come down to sevens the next block, we can work back into that sixes. So it's like that three block period or three those period. Yep. To get back to where we want to get back to and yep. build the baseline of those sixes up again. Yeah. Because um, it's not because if they're responding really well, though, when their sixes are going well, their singles are going well too, or their top sets, yep. then it's like, how do we build the baseline of the sixes up, not the single? Exactly. Yeah. That's a big one. So like, and that can just and and even changing the the rep ranges up and down provide does provide a little bit of novelty. Yeah. Um, because you know we know powerlifting is monotonous. We know it's boring, but you might change. Um, you know, uh, a secondary squat day to a high bar and add three reps. Yeah. So that is good for them. And then you know in three blocks time that high bar is going back to that comp squat, back at that back at that range, back at that um, sweet spot for the for the rep ranges that they need. But you so you're veering away from what you know works and then going back into it the closer they get to competition. Yeah, it's like easing easing back into it as well. Yeah, I think that's a really big one for when you find that magic micro, you know, there is a time where you do need to veer away from it and don't be scared of veering away from it, but veering away from it really is only like adding reps, adding a set. Yeah, it's, it's you know, not much Making a tempo, changing a pause to a tempo. Yeah. Like don't, don't overhaul the whole thing because if you overhaul the whole thing and then try to go back to the magic micro, you haven't built the... You haven't, um, oh, what is that word? Adap adapted. You haven't built the adaptations necessary that's needed to get back to that magic yeah. micro. Uh, yeah, if you've manipulated so many variables, you're right. Like the adaptations just haven't taken place. No natural adaptation across the board would have taken place. So the stimulus that they're now working with isn't going to respond to what you want them to kind of respond to and what they used to respond to. You've almost changed the way that their body is. Uh, responding in that manner yeah oh, what we mean by that is kind of like changing the days around yeah changing the days around and then yeah. manipulating too much like changing the variation of a lift on both days all three days rather than just like to change one or something or changing the rep ranges around on all the days of someone that's squatting or benching or deadlifting yeah that gets messy yeah that gets too messy so it's like just change one of the days around like that's how small we're talking about when we say we make small tinkers as well like we may just change so if someone's squatting twice a week um, on either the, the first day or the second day, we just change like one of the rep ranges around, not both days to yeah. try and get the squat to perform better. Yeah, definitely. All 
Uh, I think that, that'll do us. Um, so basically, you know, you've got your big heuristics to start with. Yeah. Um, and then small tinkers over a long period of time leads you to where you want to be. Don't be scared if it stops working. Veer away and go back. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah, there's not so. much more. There's not much more to it. Listen. So yeah, listen, listen. listen.